Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. We love the Christmas uh, message, the Christmas text, and we uh, continue uh, to do that very thing as we open to Luke chapter 1. We have dealt with heaven's view of Christmas and Joseph's view of Christmas, and now we will deal with Mary's view of Christmas. You know, in the Christmas season or the Christmas week, we expect a lot of traveling to happen. Maybe maybe it's part of your routine to do a lot of traveling, even flying places. And sadly, there's not as much journeying and traveling as going on these days, and there's pain associated with that in the midst of this COVID season right now. I love some of the Instagram and Twitter posts that I've seen. Here's a couple of them up here. When Facebook reminds you that a year ago you were traveling, or this one, look at, looking at the map for some weekend travel plans. <laughs> That's a good one. My house. I'm sorry I rolled my eyes every time you did that. I miss you. <laughs> And this, uh, this is the first year I'm not going to Fiji because of COVID-19. Normally, I don't go because I'm poor. <laughs> I like that. And here's what we're all going to feel like when it's all over and we get to travel again. Yes, this is me. I was taken a me doing, no, of course not. But uh, we have some better days coming. You know, when you, when you read the, the Christmas message, when you, when you read what all the, all the events are taking place, you can't help but notice all the traveling that was going on, even in that first Christmas. Um, when Mary hears about her pregnancy, what does she do? She travels to meet her near kinswoman, uh, Elizabeth, and visits with her. Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem because of the census that's being taken. Then they have to flee on to Egypt because of Herod's threat against the newborn baby. And the shepherds leave the fields to go into the, the town to see this baby that was born. The Magi travel from another country to in search for this one who was born king of the Jews. And the greatest journey of all, of course, was when Christ left his throne in heaven and he came to live among us for a while and to be our redeemer, our king and our Lord. But, but I want to focus on a different journey this Christmas, not one that is taken place when we travel from place to place. But I want to, I want to deal with the one that Mary made, this internal journey that she was on that involved a significant change of heart for this teenage girl who was about to give birth to the chosen one. <coughs> it's a journey of trust. It's, it's a journey that calls her something. It's a journey that challenges her. She is, she's on her way to, to understand God in a new way, to enjoy him in a different way. Because of God's place in her life, She's willing to go where he leads her. Mary's submission eventually turned into a great spirit of joy in her life. That will always be true when we allow God to interrupt our plans. And frankly, I'm not very good at being interrupted. I know what my day looks like. I know what my plans are for the week. And when something comes in that's major that interrupts that, I don't handle that very well. So I can only imagine what Mary had 
had gone through. At the end of, of all of this, when she looked back and thought of this major interruption and what happened to her life. But when we allow God to do that, it is a challenge for us to put our trust in him and to submit to him and obey him and see what he will do. And that's what Mary does. So let's learn from her. It all starts with the anxiety of the unknown. Our text tells us in Luke 1 this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Very simply, it says she was troubled. And, and, and we'll read in just a second that the angel then said, don't be afraid. So obviously, she was afraid. She had to be soothed. She had to be reminded that all is well. Even though she heard the words, you are highly favored, they were trumped by the fact that an angel is saying this to her. And it's like she didn't hear that part. It was selective hearing. She couldn't let the words register because of the one who is addressing her. You see, being troubled is fitting because when an angel comes to you, it's not always good news. An angel shows up in the book of Genesis in Sodom to announce its doom. There was an angel that slew 70,000 people in Israel and then looked toward Jerusalem and was going to continue slaying Jew, the, the inhabitants of that city because of David's disobedience. One time an angel came and showed up and slew 185,000 Assyrians in the Old Testament history that we read about. An angel struck King Herod Agrippa dead in Acts chapter 12. So it's not necessarily a good thing when an angel shows up. But as it turned out, this wasn't a bad news angel at all. This was a good news angel. Eventually, it was. But before Mary could hear the good news, there was troubling news. Verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, the Son of the Most High. He will be, called, he will be great and called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and ever. His kingdom will never end. It is easy to lose sight of the reality of this event. And Luke walked us through that so well last week as he was talking about Joseph's view of, of, the, of Christmas and what he emotionally was experiencing uh, when this announcement came to him and he was commanded to take Mary as his wife. Here was Mary finding herself pregnant and unmarried. That would put her at the risk of being stoned to death by her father and the other men in the village. While the gospel is to be good news, it wasn't immediately good news for Mary at all. This news was going to bring deep hurt to her, to the people that she loved the most. Her fiancé was going to have a hard time believing her story. Her parents were going to be emotionally crushed and scandalized. 
On old maps, back before the world was understood in modern times, cartographers would put down what they knew, and then they would stop. They didn't understand exactly the, the globe and what it looked like. And at the end of their maps, they would simply write, beyond, beyond here, there be dragons. Well, Mary finds herself in dragon territory. There is nothing about the, new, the angel's news initially that fit into her hopes and dreams for her life. So her reaction is quite understandable. She was greatly troubled. It wasn't a message of great joy. Is there anybody listening, anybody watching, that has never been greatly troubled? I doubt there's anyone that doesn't know to some degree what it means to be greatly troubled. Your story may not involve an angel or an unplanned pregnancy, but you've experienced something you didn't expect or want or plan for. And your first reaction may be shock or fear or misunderstanding or a sense of loss or, or even anger and resentment. In fact, there are very few people who experience a life that even slightly resembles the plans that they thought were going to unfold well in their future life as they dreamed it. So often the dreams we have for our life, how we picture our lives going, do not end that way at all. Our stories change. I know many of you, and I've watched you in the midst of your story deal with disappointment and heartache and brokenness and all kinds of things. Your plans didn't include financial hardship. They didn't include rebellious children or grief and premature death and divorce and moving away from your family and friends or addiction and acute medical issues. I mean, the list goes on and on. All kinds of things that happen in life that trouble our souls and our spirits and cause all degrees of anxiety. We are often troubled by the course of life. But Mary moves from that particular place of the anxiety to acceptance of the call in her life. She starts in anxiety, but she doesn't stay there. Verse 34 says, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So her next stop in her journey is acceptance. Anxiety, then acceptance. Now, acceptance isn't necessarily a, a joy necessarily. You can accept something without it necessarily being something exhilarating for your life. I don't believe at this point Mary would have said she was filled with joy. Now, she's moving that way, but all this is still too much of a mystery to her. She still doesn't think it's too much to grasp. There's too many, there are too many unanswered questions, too many people to consider. There's too many aspects to wonder about. Too many things just aren't answered well. I don't think this is wild enthusiasm when she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. 
Now, that's a very biblical way of saying, okay, God, have it your way. Have it your way. Now, when I see, receive a response like that from somebody, I'm a little less than thrilled with that response. If I'm having a meeting with staff or other leaders, and I have an idea, and they stare at me for a while, and they say, okay, whatever you say, that's not the response I'm going for. I want them to be sold out. I want them to say, yes, that's a great idea. They don't always say that. And I'm less than satisfied. Or sometimes it's a Friday night, and I'll say to Diana, let's watch a movie. I've got a great one to watch. It's some adventure flick. She's more into period romance pieces. And so I'll talk about that movie, and she said, well, okay, well, we'll watch what you want to watch. Well, that's not what I'm looking for. I want her to be excited, too. And suddenly, I'm not so interested in that movie anymore. You see, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not criticizing Mary at all here. I'm just, I, I just do well to think of her in a realistic fashion. She's moving in the right direction. I just don't think she's arrived yet. She's just acknowledging God's message has come. Okay, God, I don't get it. I can't say I'm excited about it, but if this is what you're calling to me to do, okay. It's the same sort of thing as Jonah. Remember Jonah finally went to Nineveh? Just, he accepted the call and he went, but he wasn't necessarily thrilled about it, even though he did obey. You see, for Mary, the angel showed, showed her that her willingness to carry a baby that was not conceived from her, with her fiancé Joseph was part of God's greatest plan ever. She just needed time to let that filter through her mind and her body, her soul. She needed time to process it all. That's how, when God's call comes to your life and my life, it's the same thing. He puts a burden on us. And what do we do? We try often to escape it. We try to get away from it. We try to somehow stop thinking about it. And we can't. And often that's an indication that he is indeed calling us to something. He's burdening us with something. And we, we have to work through it and digest it into our system. Mary was willing to go with God's plan. But she hadn't fully celebrated it yet. But her third stop, she does. Well, I'll call it the adoration of the Lord. She learns about Elizabeth, her relative, being in her sixth month of pregnancy, according to the angel's word, and which was thrilling because Elizabeth would pass childbearing years. This was an act of God itself. And there was this supernatural connection. You have somebody in your life like that, that you just, when you connect with them on a spiritual, you just, you just connect. When you're thinking about things of God, when you're discovering things in the scripture, you're on the same wavelength. That's how Mary and Elizabeth were. And they must have had such intriguing discussions. Imagine Mary telling Elizabeth and Elizabeth hearing in wonder about the visit of this angel and Mary listening to Elizabeth's story of she and Zechariah and their, their coming son to be born, who would be John the Baptist. Perhaps it was Elizabeth's words to Mary that made the difference. She simply said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you'll bear. And maybe it's at that point that Mary got it. It was confirmed by Elizabeth. And what does Mary do? 
she begins to sing. You know, when you're living in anxiety and when you are troubled, when the answers don't come, when you've even just accepted but you're not exhilarated, you don't necessarily feel like singing. You're not there yet. But I'm not sure you can, I'm not sure you can ever really finally get to the point where you are so thrilled with God's call in your life that it frees you to sing. That's what happened to Mary. So this is what she sings. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one, remember that, the mighty one has done great things to me. Remember this, holy is his name. Mighty, holy. His mercy, remember that, his mercy, extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to his fathers, to our fathers. She arrived, and the way she got there was to revisit the very source of the call on her life. She didn't need more counsel from people. She didn't need to do some traveling and sit by a lake or a river. She needed to contemplate the greatness of God, the one who has called her to this, to this ministry. So what does she sing about? She doesn't sing her testimony she doesn't even sing her feelings. She sings about God, the nature of God. And she sings three things about God, as I pointed out, as we heard the lyrics of the song, that he is mighty. See, Mary was a good Jewish girl. She knew cerebrally that God was mighty. She knew he was creator of heaven and earth. She understood that God was powerful and mighty, that he could do anything he wanted. But she'd never known his power like this in her personal life, his power being applied to her body like it's being applied to bring the promised Savior into the world. We're like that about a lot of things in God, aren't we? We know a lot of things from the Bible reading it. It's a whole different story when we experience it. I hope that you know God's power and his might more than just by scenes of Scripture. But you've experienced the power of God in your life by the change he brings, by the help he brings, by the, by the wonders that he works in answered prayer. She also sings that he is holy, meaning that God is totally other from us. He is totally different from us. He's ascetic toward all sin. She recognizes his holiness, and she's changed within. The more we grasp God's holiness, the more we are stunned that he would be willing to, to come to this earth and enter in, as a human being in its, in its weakest form, an embryo. That's the greatness of this God who is holy and how he came to us. And she also sang that he is merciful. You know, you say, say you're working for a company. It's not doing so well. And you're bought out by another company. And you know what's going to happen. You're going to be cut. Because your former, I mean, the, 
you work for this company and you haven't produced well and the leadership hasn't been good and they're going to clean house, but they don't. Instead, this new leadership comes in and they say, oh no, we don't want you to go. We just got a different plan for you. That's what happens when Jesus comes in as Lord of life. We, we, we're under a different, we're under a different authority, us, until we, we surrender to Jesus and we're under new management. We have a new Lord in our lives and everything changes. He raises us up and he helps us have fruitful lives we could never have without him. You see, this is our God and this is the one that we worship today because he is holy he must do something about our sin problem. And because he is mighty, he can do something about our sin problem. And because he's merciful, he wants to do something about our sin problem. So Mary sings about it from anxiety to acceptance to adoration. Does that journey sound familiar to you at all? So many of life's journeys begin with anxiety. We have all felt it so much this year. We know that the world, in a sense, is going to be far different from this time on. It seems like 9-11 affected us. We don't know how. But this, this year has brought so many uncertainties. We've lived with this question, what if I get COVID? Can I survive COVID? What about my Elderly parents or my grandparents, are they safe? Are, are they going to be okay? Are they going to serve? What about the vaccine? I mean, should I get the vaccine? Should I not get the vaccine? What, what if my company goes under? Or what if I lose my job? Uh, how, how will I get, how, how can I go on in e-learning? You know, whether you're a teacher or a student or in the college campus or in high school, there's so many stresses that come with all of that. You know, we never would have dreamed this journey was going to happen this year. But you know what, friends? There are all kinds of unpredictable journeys that are coming before us yet in our lives. There just are. There are other kinds of anxieties, maybe going to be unique to you or maybe going to be shared like this year. I assume that the majority of us that are tuned in today in person or um, watching online have trusted the Lord to some extent. I assume that, that if you're tuned in, you, you want to please God. But my question is, are you willing to travel further? Wherever you are in your level of trust, are you willing to let God push you further than you've ever been before and to trust him in new levels? While working as a journalist for Chicago Tribune, you remember, some of you, that Lee Strobel was assigned to report on the struggles of the impoverished inner-city family during the weeks before Christmas. He was, at that time, still a confirmed atheist. And he was, he was surprised by a family's attitude in spite of their circumstances. He writes about them, the Delgados. He writes this. The Delgados, 60-year-old Perfecta and her granddaughters Lydia and Jenny, had been burned out of their roach-infested tenement and were now live, living in a tiny two-room apartment on the west side. As I walked in, I couldn't believe how empty it was. There was no furniture, no rugs, nothing on the walls, only a small kitchen table and a handful of rice. That's it. They were, they were virtually devoid of possessions. 
In fact, 11-year-old Lydia and 13-year-old Jenny owned only one short-sleeved dress each, plus one thin gray sweater between them. When they walked the half mile to school through the biting cold, Lydia would wear the sweater for part of the distance and then hand it to her shivering sister who would wear it the rest of the way. But despite their poverty and the painful arthritis that kept Perfecta from working, she still talked confidently about her faith in Jesus. She was convinced he had not abandoned them. I never sensed despair or self-pity in her home. Instead, there was a gentle feeling of hope and peace. And, you know, Strobel says he struggled so much with this. And when it was over, he moved on. He wrote the story, published it, and then moved on to more high-profile assignments. But then Christmas Eve came, and he just couldn't stop thinking about the Delgados. And he writes, you know, I continued to wrestle with the irony of the situation. Here was a family that had nothing but faith and yet seemed happy, while I had everything I needed materially but lacked faith, and inside I felt as empty and barren as their apartment. So it was the middle of the slow news day, and Strobel decided to go back and visit the uh, Delgados. And he was amazed at what he saw. Readers of his article that had been published had responded amazingly. And you can imagine there's so many people like that when they hear of a story like this. And when he got inside, Strobel said he encountered new furniture and appliances and all this food and a large collection of any item they needed to cook with. There were stacks of packages and a Christmas tree. And readers had sent a generous amount of cash as well. But it wasn't the gifts that shocked him. Here he is, an atheist, in the middle of Christmas. He was shocked by the Delgado's response to the gifts. He writes this. As surprised as I was by this outpouring, I was even more astonished by what my visit was interrupting. Perfecta and her granddaughters were getting ready to give away much of their newfound wealth. When I asked Perfecta why, she replied in halting English, Our neighbors are still in need. We cannot have plenty while they have nothing. This is what Jesus would want us to do. That blew me away. If I had been in their position at that time in my life, I would have been hoarding everything. I asked Perfecta what she thought about the generosity of the people who had sent all these goodies. And again, her response amazed me. This is wonderful, she said. This is very good, she said, gesturing toward the, lar- the largeness. We did nothing to deserve this. It's a gift from God. But she added, it's, it's not the greatest gift. No, we celebrate that tomorrow. It's Jesus. To her, this child in the manger was the undeserved gift that meant everything. Strobel writes, more than material possessions, more than comfort, more than security. And at that moment, something inside of me wanted desperately to know this Jesus. Because in a sense... I saw him in Perfecta and her granddaughters. They had peace despite poverty, while I had anxiety despite despite plenty. They knew the joy of generosity, while I only knew the loneliness of ambition. They looked heavenward for hope, while I only looked out for myself. They experienced the wonder of the spiritual, while I was shackled to the shallowness of the material. And something made me long for what they had, or more accurately, for the one they knew. I so hope and pray today 
that all of us who are together around this text know Jesus Christ. There comes a time in our lives that we have to lay it all down. And we have to say, I surrender everything, Jesus. I, I can't do this. I can't go on living for myself. And I want to say to you, if you have not been born again, you need to take care of that. If you're still trusting in yourself, if you're trusting in your, your own wiring of your future, if you're plotting everything out, and you are not prepared for the life to come, you are missing on the abundant life now, as well as going to be missing the life to come. The, the Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have not taken care of that, please let us walk with you to the cross of Christ and know the joy of being born again. For the rest of us, to some degree, I believe we have trusted Christ. We are trusting Christ. But are you stuck anywhere? Is there somewhere in your life that you've gotten stuck in anxiety? And anxiety takes a while to work through. Just like Mary, it takes a while to work through. You don't pray once and it's gone. It's a process, but we have to keep moving through it. And you, you get to a place where you accept it, but that's not sufficient. We go to the place where we finally meet God face to face. And regardless of the, the conditions that may bring anxiety, we simply worship him because he is so worthy. Wherever you are in your faith journey today, my prayer is that from here on out, whatever life circumstances are, whatever anxious times come, wherever you just have to say with me, okay, Lord, Lord, your way, on your way toward adoration, whatever the journey is, wherever you get stopped along the way, you'll be able to sing with Mary, you know, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we confess to you our anxieties, our fears, our small faith, our tendency to somehow work out our own conditions without seeking the wisdom and the path of God. Oh God, I, I pray that you awaken us to ourselves, that you help us to trust your word, that we will believe with a whole heart that if you are for us, nothing can be against us, that with God, nothing is impossible. I pray especially for those who have, a, have an unusual level of anxiety right now, that they will come to know your freedom and they will be able to worship the name of the Lord and by that worship, watch their anxieties wilt. So Father, we thank you for Mary's life and her faith, the journey she took that teaches us today. I pray, Father, 
that our souls will always glorify the Lord and our spirits will always rejoice in God, our Savior. Through Christ we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.